What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Happy Tuesday to you. Dan Cilio here on the National Football Show. How did everyone's Memorial Day weekend go? I hope it was spectacular. And unlike some, it's not an extended weekend. It's a weekend to remember. It's a weekend to give our military, men and women, first responders, all the kudos in the world. I saw so many great celebrations over the weekend. And then, yes, had a chance to spend time with the family. Isn't it great also that our military give us the ability, one of the very first holidays, to sit around with one another because of all the things the great first responders did. I was watching the Indianapolis 500 on Sunday, and I saw the first responders there and almost brought a tear to my eye, man. Honestly, I mean, it was just great watching those folks, you know, just be honored. And that's what we should be doing for the next couple of years is just honoring these folks that got us through this pandemic as we move on and move through the summer and get ourselves ready for football. It's 100 days today to Thursday night when we drop the banner at Raymond James for the start of the National Football League season. Cowboys and Buccaneers. Sounds like a monster movie. Sounds like a monster movie. I can't wait, man. There is so, you know, the one thing the NFL does for us now that it didn't do years ago in broadcasting, you know what it is? It never sleeps. You know the city that never sleeps? Well, this is the sport that never sleeps. It's filled with content. By the way, we are packed. Chris Sims from NBC Sports will join us. We will talk to him. He thinks Carson Wentz can't fail in Indy. There's no way he can fail. We'll have Mark Schlereth with us. That'll be at the top of our number two. He's from Fox Sports, a three-time Super Bowl champion. We'll get his thoughts As we get ready for these OTAs, Aaron Rodgers' story, the saga continues. Julio Jones, where is he going to land? There seems to be a lot more bitters than I thought. So we'll get all into that here in a second. Let's jump into the sandbox now. 
You know, I, I, I say this to you. And last week we were talking the differences between organizations and how you go about your business when you're talking about success. You know, just like in life, there's companies that have great success and then there's companies that don't have success. And why is that? Warren Buffett, who comes on my radio show all the time, you know, I, I, I brought this up to him. I go, so when you're investing, and I'm asking him about investing, I go, when you're looking at companies and you're looking at products on what these companies are making, he stopped me right there in my tracks. He goes, you've already lost the important thing when it comes to investing in companies. I was like, um, is it a type of product? He goes, no. Dan, any company I've ever purchased or bought shares in, it's because of the people that are there. I invest in people. Okay? You know, you. there's no way a horse can win a triple crown without the jockey. Just can't happen. You don't invest in the horse, you invest in the jockey. The jockey will lead the horse around the track. And just like Victor Espinosa did with American Pharaoh. If you don't have a rider like that on a talented horse like that, you're never going to win. I'm not saying you can't have talent. You have to have talent to win. But watch this. You're in the pros, my friends. You're a Fortune 500 company. Hey, thank me for not robbing a bank. You know, I hear that all the time with people. Well, you know, you have to have talent. No crap. You're in the room with me because you have talent. Just like every other person on the planet that's in a high-profile gig, you have to have people that know how to lead. And when you have that, you can see the differences in certain companies, winners and losers. And let me give you the difference between the two here. So over the summertime and you know through kind of the spring, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers have been kicking tires on their franchises, right? They've just been absolutely kicking tires. And they've been kind of like trying to kick the organizations into gear where we need this. Tom Brady has shown you that it is important that you listen to your most important asset, which is your quarterback. Because the quarterback, he's not just trying to throw for stats. He's trying to throw for his legacy. When you're Aaron Rodgers and you're Russell Wilson and you're Tom Brady, you think these guys are throwing for yardage or for their legacies? They've got all the yards. They've got all the records. They've got everything they need. You're not gauged in the NFL by records. You're gauged by rings. Nobody cares. When Dan Marino, get this, I used to have this conversation all the time with people in Miami over Dan Marino. I said, Dan Marino's records will be broken and shattered, and he'll be moving down the list of the all-time leading passing yardage guys in NFL history, and the only thing he'll have is that Hall of Fame ring, and pretty soon he'll just be a Hall of Famer, which is awesome. I'm not dismissing that. But to tell me now that Dan Marino is the greatest thrower of the football in the history of the sport, we're now losing that insight now. We're no longer doing that. We're looking at Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, some of these young guns now that have come into the league. Records are fleeting like love, dude. They come and go. Rings are forever. You can, How many people know, I think Blake Bortles threw for 500 yards once. Who cares? 
Who cares? Did you win a championship? Where are you in that room? I know people go, are we weighing too much into championships with one's legacy? No, we're not. Look, if we're just talking about a dude, yeah, probably not, probably so. But when you start climbing the list of the greats, and the reason that people are so critical of LeBron James, well, you're comparing them to Jordan, okay? You know, if you're comparing him to Carl Malone, it's a different conversation. He's better than Carl. Well, because we're moving up the food chain now when it comes to greatness in the NBA. Same thing in the NFL. You start getting up near Brady and Montana, that's where you start to get into conversation. You know, Unitas and them dudes, Elway, you're like, okay, well now, how great is this guy? Like, are you really going to tell me because Drew Brees has the most passing yards in the history of the NFL, you're going to take Brees over Elway? Or you're going to take Brees over Montana? Or Brees over Brady? Come on, man. Just because you have the most yards, that don't mean you're the best dude on the planet. Systems matter, too, in this conversation. So back to the, the two dudes that are watching the guy in Tampa. Russell Wilson, and Aaron Rodgers. Here's the difference in organizations. You ready? So Russell Wilson got pissed that he's getting hit. What did the Seahawks do? They revamped the entire offensive line. Last year, they got DK Metcalf. They went out and drafted another wide receiver in the second round this year. They're doing everything they possibly can to appease Russell Wilson. They're listening in Seattle. And now the conversation is, they're in the conversation in the Julio Jones sweepstakes. Atlanta wants a first-rounder. Would the Seahawks, I don't know if they have the assets to do that, but would the Seahawks make Russell Wilson even happier? Holy cow, if I'm Russell Wilson and the Seahawks pull off getting Julio Jones and you got DK Metcalf on the other side, it's over. I'm never leaving that joint. Why would I? So what, everyone can look at me like I'm fat-ass James Harden in Brooklyn now? How he ate his way out of Houston? You got to look at the room now. If you're Russell Wilson, man, they're doing everything that I've asked. This is pretty cool. Do you know what the Packers did this offseason? They signed Blake Bortles. Aaron Rodgers has been bitching for two years. They signed Blake Bortles. And they draft a quarterback last year in Jordan Love. How does that even remotely sound that it makes any kind of common sense? That's where you're going? You're not in the... How is the Green Bay Packers? How are you not in the Julio Jones sweepstakes for that guy to keep him in Green Bay for the remainder of the year? Because you know why? I told you this last week. Green Bay is like MySpace. Everyone else in the NFL is Instagram. You know, they're on the latest in social media. Green Bay's still on MySpace. You got a MySpace account? Dude, I've, I, I forgot I even had one. I went back and deleted it. That's what they're doing. Like, check it out. They don't send email. They send letters. That's who Green Bay is. They're Neanderthal in their thinking, and it's because they don't have an owner. You know, they try to act like the Steelers. Well, there's a difference. The Roonies set the culture. Yes. Do the Roonies go after free agents? No. Do the Roonies 
go and sign uh, guys to gigantic contracts? Not really. But what do the Roonies and the Steelers do differently than the, than the uh, Packers? They have better relationships with the guys they hire and the guys that they sign and then re-sign. The Packers are not even in the room with how the Steelers do business. They try to emulate everything that goes on in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, the only free agent that I ever remember Pittsburgh signing that was a big-time free agent was Jerome Bettis. I don't remember them going out in the free agent market and just signing a boatload of guys. Hey, Vic was already kind of past his time when they ended up signing him. It wasn't big money when they signed Michael Vick to bring into Pittsburgh. You probably even forgot he was in Pittsburgh. I mean, that's not what they do. They invest in their coaches, and they invest in their players when they sign guys. Even if you're a seventh rounder, the Steelers want you to make the team. It's economically strong and sound in Pittsburgh. If the latter – get this. They would rather have the seventh and sixth and fifth rounders make the team because you know why? Economically, that sets them up in their cap up for the next three years. They want those guys to make the team. When you go to other NFL teams, they want those guys off the field as much as possible. Do you know that 50% of the NFL is made up of late rounders and undrafted guys? I think everybody's under the notion that it's like the NBA. They're all first and second and third rounders. That's not the case. That's so far removed from the case. Half the league is undrafted that are on the 53-man roster in the NFL. So, again, the Packers, this is how they do business with Aaron Rodgers. He's complaining. They signed Blake Bortles. Russell Wilson, on the other hand, Russell Wilson, he complains. And make no mistake about it. He complains, and Seattle hears him. Pete Carroll hears him. That's the difference there and how they're doing business. And, and I love how they're doing business in Seattle now. Their quarterback complained. They don't want to hear him complain anymore. Now what they've done is, guess, guess, guess what Seattle's done? They've put it back on Russell to go out and perform. You know, he didn't have a very good stretch run at the end of the season last year. Now, you could say O-line didn't have another target. Okay, sure, you can check all those things off there. But now what Seattle has done is, okay, guy wants to complain. Rightfully so. I'm, I'm with him. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying Russell's wrong here. I'm not saying Russell's wrong at all. So he goes and they end up, like, appeasing him. Holy cow, man. You, you, you really got to love you really got to love what they're doing in Seattle and hate what they're doing in Green Bay. All right. Urban Meyer. This legend of Tebow will not go away. See, Tebow's got the fame of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, but he just doesn't have the talent of those men that I mentioned. Or I should say NFL talent. It's a smart economic move. But here is what Urban Meyer is trying to do. You know all the things that I just said about Tim Tebow's fame and how big it is? You know, he's got the number one and number two selling jerseys. Yeah, NFL.com. Okay? 
this guy's fame and this guy's brand is so iconic. It's like, basically, it's like Colin Kaepernick's. Colin Kaepernick, his merchandise, his black jersey that they sell Nike does, it's a big hit. It is a big hit. Big money for that. There's a big brand there for that. Follow me here when you hear me say this about what Urban Meyer, I think, is trying to do. See, I think Urban Meyer, I think he's trying to change the narrative of how people see Tim Tebow's career and what has happened to Tim Tebow. Did he get a fair shot in Denver? He got the shot in Denver. He won some playoff games or a playoff game, and he won a boatload of games down the stretch to win the division. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I've seen Matt Castle take a team to the playoffs in Kansas City, and he was undrafted too. So we have seen this. That's not an anomaly, what Tim Tebow did. He was a bad quarterback. I saw TJ Yates in Houston lead a team through the postseason. What Tebow did, see, what we're trying to do is we're trying to blow up what Tebow did in Denver as to make it sound like, hey, this Heisman Trophy guy, I mean, look what he did. He never really got, you know, the chance in Denver. Elway didn't believe in him. Yeah, because Elway went out and got Peyton Manning. Hello, Peyton Manning, Tim Tebow. There's not a conversation there. I'm not, I'm going to pay for the plane ticket back wherever Tim wants to go in Florida. Hey, you tell me Peyton Manning, Tim Tebow, there's no conversation. I'm trying to win Super Bowls. I'm not trying to win the admiration of people. And when you have Tim Tebow on your team, you're winning the admiration of people, not games. At that position, I don't know what he – and by the way, I want everyone to know, I don't really care he's on the team either way. I don't care. He's like a 52 or 53rd guy on the team with enormous fame. Does that become a distraction? I don't know. Maybe. Especially in Jacksonville where he's from. But where I'm going here is that doesn't it seem that Urban Meyer is just trying to change the perception on how we see Tim? Now there's conversation. Hey, maybe what we'll do is a Tyson Hill package inside the red zone, which they struggled at last year mightily. Then again, the Jags struggled at everything last year. And maybe we have a Tyson Hill-type offense for Tim like a wildcat down in the red zone. So you're going to go to gimmicks for the kid to get him in a position to succeed? Okay. I guess. You understand where I'm going here? You're putting him in a position with gimmicks. So people can look at him as a different light. Oh, look, he, he was really a factor in helping us, you know, turn the Jaguars around. And his career, maybe it was slowed early because people didn't want to give him a chance. And religious, come on. And you know what? I want to say this about the religious fact, the religious factor and all that stuff. Do you think anybody really cares inside an NFL locker room with Tim Tebow uh, and his religion? Do you think they really care at all what, what and how he is as a religious man, if anything, they embrace it. I embrace religious people, but I, I don't judge them either way. Do you know how many different religions are in an NFL locker room? Honestly, when you walk into an NFL locker room, Muslims, Catholics, Protestant, Baptist, Lutheran, go down the line of all types of religions. It's the ultimate melting pot inside a NFL locker room. 
And when you hear the inexperienced locker room media people talking and telling you that Tebow's religion bugs other people, it's a lie. Everyone respects everyone's religion because we're all from diverse backgrounds. The greatest lesson I ever got is when I went to the University of Miami and every African-American kid in that locker room came from a completely different background than what I did. And that was the background of being in the South, living in the South, having a different ideology and how they see people from the North, vice versa. I didn't really know anything. But then when I saw different cultures, how much of an impact that was on my life and helped me grow as a human. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Like something that someone says may not piss you off, but it may piss someone else off. Caring about the guy in the room next to you. That's how you build camaraderie. And that's how you build being a great teammate. Almost every single guy I played with at the University of Miami are my best friends to this day. And I absolutely love them. I absolutely love them. So when people bring up that T-ball religion, it's a dumb comment. No one cares, man. That's just another media weapon for people to use on why Tebow failed. He didn't fail because of that religion. He failed because he couldn't get the job done. Meyer is going to try to help him resurrect his reputation as a football. Listen, Tebow doesn't need any, you know, reputation help. Everyone knows the guy's reputation is impeccable as a man, as a religious man. But what's the one thing that's taken a hit over the last, what, 15 years, 12 years, whatever it's been? He's a minor league baseball player that couldn't hit his body weight. It was a joke. Did he sell jerseys? Sure. Um, um, watch this. Did we not do this? <clears throat> oh, there's Tim Tebow. Tebow, the uh, failed football player, now is in minor league baseball. It was kind of like a punchline. Now, with this opportunity, and by the way, do you think there was any coincidence? A month after Urban Meyer got the job in Jacksonville, Tebow resigned from the Mets, and all of a sudden he got this opportunity. And, and, and I'm hearing everyone go, well, Darren, what about the opportunity? You know, other guys deserve. No, they don't. If you have a good relationship here in our business in broadcasting, you know, someone they're going to give you a shot. In sales, you know, someone they're going to give you a shot. In sports, you know, someone they're going to give you a shot. That's all this comes down to. It doesn't come down to anything other than that. People are making way more of this. And by the way, how about this for Tim Tebow in the South? You think this is good for business, what's going on? We're talking about the guy every week now. His jersey sales are through the roof. His merchandise, as we get closer to training camp in July, it's going to double. His brand right now has tripled. You can't get enough of Tim Tebow stuff in Florida right now, especially around Jacksonville. Did you see what the local television station did? They put a watermark on the video now 
so that you knew it came from like the NBC affiliate that's covering the Jags down there during OTAs and uh, minicamp. So that if you use their video, I've never seen that before for an OTA or a minicamp in my life. You know the video clips that you usually see about guys at training camp? I, I can't believe what I'm seeing. They got watermarks on it now. How incredible is that? It, that's what this guy is doing. All right. I saw something over the weekend that I, I want to hit on, and I do not want the National Football League to go down the same line as the NBA is. I'll tell you what that is next. You keep it here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. In this hour, we'll talk to Chris Sims from NBC Sports. He thinks Carson Wentz is a slam dunk in Indianapolis. We will talk with him here in a couple minutes, so get his thoughts on why he sees that. Plus, a whole bunch of stuff going on. Rodgers and Russell Wilson, Julio Jones. You know, looks like Cam Newton looks awful good in OTAs right now. Again, it's helmets and shorts. I get it, so... 
We'll talk to our friend Chris Sims. That'll be here in a couple minutes. Um, I saw something that the NBA is now doing. That I pray to God that the National Football League doesn't trip itself up and start to get into what the NBA is doing when it comes to vaccinations. By the way, I want everyone to know I'm completely for them. Most Americans are. Okay? Most Americans are. Think about it for a second. I've had 16 vaccinations in my life. Smallpox, polio. I'm not against any of it. At all. No way. None. Okay? Vaccinations? Hey, listen. All good. It's to each and every individual's um, likes and wants, what they want to do. I leave that up to you. I don't get involved in the weeds with that. The only problem that I have, though, is when sports leagues start to do things over the line. So the NBA is selling, like, tickets, and I'm meaning the Knicks, to only vaccinated fans. Okay. Here's the problem with that. Your biggest star, LeBron James, is not vaccinated. Okay? Why are you going down that line on making fans have to prove it? It's a slippery slope, my friends. And I would just say this to you. Be careful, NBA. Okay? Be careful. Just be careful. Because it's a slippery slope. You're a sports league. You're not part of the CDC. We'll leave it at that. Just please do me a favor. Act like a sports league. Okay. Let's go over here to this there. I want to slide back over here to Aaron Rodgers here for a bit. You know the one thing that Aaron Rodgers and his people have done for the Packers that nobody's really reporting here? You know what that is? Haven't the Rodgers people now Given what the market price could possibly be if Aaron Rodgers was to go out on the open market, Aaron Rodgers has been kicking up a dust storm, not just some dirt here. He ain't just kicking tires. This guy's kicking up a dust storm. And now you know you've got teams like the Denver Broncos and John Elway picking up the phone going like this. Hey, Mark Murphy, you know. How much for Aaron Rodgers? Mark Murphy, if he's a smart businessman, by the way, he's the president of the Green Bay Packers. If he's smart, doesn't he do this? Okay. We'll take three first-rounders for him. Don't you at least owe it to your franchise to throw that out to see what the market value would be for a guy like Rodgers? If somebody, if somebody, how about this? Let, let, let's use something that you can identify with. Okay? You don't want to sell your car. You love your car. You've put a lot of time into the car. You've owned the car for 16 years. It's your favorite car. It's got high miles. Okay? A little high in miles. Right? But you just do not want to get rid of it. Guy calls you up. And he starts saying this. Hey, man, what would it take for me to get that car off your hands? Well, I don't know. You're just going to go like this? Nothing. Nothing. would. Um, I would not sell my car for anything. For nothing. Uh, you're, well, what if I offered you an exorbitant amount of money 
for that car. Say I offered you two, two times the market value for that car. Say instead of giving you 10 grand, I give you 25 grand for the car. Are you just going to turn that down? Of course you're not. You're going to put serious thought into what would be in the best interest of your family. $25,000 right now? Think about this for a second if you're the Green Bay Packers. And remember something on what organizations do. See, I think sometimes people forget why there's a salary cap and why people are always projecting out what a franchise is going to do over the next couple of years. There's a reason that you have a capologist in your building. Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old. And by the way, if he were to be dealt, do you know how much money he would save the salary? He'd save $17 million. And so wait a minute, you're going to save $17 million and you're going to get three first rounders and maybe potentially a player or a couple of thirds. I mean, if you're the Packers, how about this? Are you okay with Aaron Rodgers on your football team bitching and moaning for the next two years the way he's going to bitch the same way Favre did? And not having a very – you don't have a relationship now with the guy. And, and by the way, it's not going to get fixed publicly. How many, how many relationships have you ever seen fixed after people have gone back and forth in the media, on social media? How many times have you ever seen that fixed? It's never been fixed. Remember when A-Rod was going back and forth with the Yankees? That relationship never was repaired. The Yankees, you know what? The Yankees basically benched a guy and didn't want to give him the money for passing Babe Ruth. That's why they didn't want him to play that one year. And the relationship with A-Rod, maybe it's gotten better. I don't know. I, I don't see him doing a lot of Yankee events. Remember they were going back and forth? That thing was a train wreck at the very end between the two. Very seldom does this thing get repaired. So I would say this to you. If you're Mark Murphy, you're sitting here doing this. Okay. You're privately going around. Now, here's the problem that we always say. You're privately going around the boardroom. Hate that. And you're doing this. Okay, we get three ones and two twos for Aaron Rodgers right now, and we save $17 million on our salary cap. Do we want two years of pain? And is Jordan Love ready? Okay? Maybe you sit there and you go, but see, I personally think it's all coming down to they know Jordan Love can't play. We see this all the time, guys. An organization fails at drafting a first-flight quarterback. We see this all the time, especially the project guys. And what else do we see? These project guys like Jordan Love, like Trey Lance in San Francisco. You think Trey Lance is ready to tee it up and get out there and play against the Rams or against the Seahawks? Do you really think the 49ers are comfortable with him going in and throwing the playbook at him to try to win an NFC West. Do you really believe that? That ain't happening. That's not happening. Not when you have a Super Bowl roster intact in San Francisco. You may do that in Chicago because Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton, enough said. Now, I'm not dissing on Andy. Andy's got a nice one-loss record for having played his games in Cincinnati. The majority of those games – 
I didn't think he did all that bad in Dallas. I think Dallas was a train wreck, and I still think Dallas is a train wreck to this day because of the way they operate. So Dalton has been a pretty functional guy. I'm all right with Andy Dalton. Can I win a Super Bowl with Andy Dalton? Hey, man, if I've got the Buccaneer roster, you think Andy Dalton would win games with that Buccaneer roster? I do. Dalton's not the turnover machine that Jameis Winston was. I think he'd win games. He won games in Cincinnati. Help. in my looking at his career, I could look at his career and say this. You give me the first six years of Andy Dalton, line him up next to Dak Prescott, they pretty much look the same. This guy won 10, 11 ball games in Cincinnati. Wasn't like he was bad, but you're not going anywhere with him. You got fields up there now, okay? If it's me, I want to find out right away whether or not this guy can play. I need to find out today. You found out you kind of hung on a little bit extra longer than you needed to with Mitchell Trubisky. You still won ball games though. Hell, you won a division title with him. Mitchell Trubisky actually won ball games though, even though he struggled. But get this, the Bears did something that the Bears always do. You know what that is? They panic at the quarterback position. Would it shock me, Mitchell Trubisky going somewhere else, and all of a sudden we see this guy turn into Ryan Tannehill someplace else? Absolutely, I could see that going down like that. Better coaching? Ryan Tannehill had Adam Gase in Miami and Joe Philbin, two failure coaches. He goes up to Tennessee with Mike Vrabel, and they completely turn his entire career around and they it's like a renaissance for him. He's now making $30 million a year, 29.5. This guy's got the same base salary as Tom Brady. And this was a bomb in Miami. We saw this. So you're the you're the Packers. You've got to weigh everything that I just said. We save money on the cap. We're gonna suck this year, though which means we're going to get first-round picks that are going to be high up in the draft and in the top five. Do we take a couple of years of failure so that we can rebuild this team and we can have balance in our cap? Do we do that? There's a lot of me that goes like this. Well, what I take – here – you think the Bronco fans are cool with the fact that they won a couple or they went to a couple Super Bowls and they won a Super Bowl in Denver and now they've got a couple years of sorry ass football? I'd take that, wouldn't you? I'd take a couple years of sorry ass football for a championship and a couple appearances in that game so that I could restructure, build my team back up, get my roster back to being balanced when it comes to salary cap. Why wouldn't you do that, okay? Well, we went to a couple Super Bowls. We won one. Uh, now we're just going to put everything in order. Then we're going to parachute a guy like Rodgers in, and we're going to be off to the races again. Then you consistently do that again. I'm going to make a comparison on what John Elway, in my opinion, and how he acts. And to me, he's more like Pat Riley. Okay? He's more like Pat Riley in this essence. Pat Riley sucks as a Miami Heat executive. When it comes to the draft, but when it comes to getting Shaquille O'Neal, Jimmy Butler, LeBron James, go down the list, Chris Bosh, 
all the guys that he used to win championships, remember something? This guy's gone to three NBA finals with three different cast of characters. Kept the structure intact with Spolstra being there. They, they won a title with Shaq, LeBron's group, and they got to an NBA finals last year. How'd they do that? It wasn't drafting. It was free agency. When Pat Riley picks the phone up and goes, hey, how'd you like to come down and play with me? And then he like dumps that satchel of championship rings that he has. Like oh, all those championship rings. I think he's got one as a player. He's got four as a coach with the Lakers. He's got one as a coach with the Heat. He's got another one with the Heat. There's seven conference title games. My God almighty, how many times? This guy's got championship rings. He's got a, he's got a King's Ransom of championship rings in his satchel. Just dump that on the table to you when you're a free agent. How'd you like to come down here and play? That's what John Elway is. John Elway is going to go for the veteran quarterback the same way Indy did. The same way Indianapolis did. Okay? It's a surefire bet to early success when you do that. And John is good at it. He's no longer the GM. He's the president of the operation. So I understand that. But make no mistake about it here. John Elway gets on the horn and calls. Even the Packers, Mark Murphy, is going to pick up and listen to that and go like this. Okay. I'm interested. All right. We're going to talk to our friend Chris Sims and get his thoughts on all of this here. He thinks Carson Wentz is a slam dunk success in Indianapolis. He's from NBC Sports. We'll have him on next. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. Planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future is not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. 
catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. We'll catch up with our friend Chris Sims from NBC Sports. Get his thoughts. All NFL news. I mean, there is so much of it, too, as we're all in OTAs, many camps, and as we get ready for the July camps. Man, we're 100 days out from the banner being dropped at Raymond James. Buccaneers and Cowboys. I cannot wait for that Thursday night game. What an absolutely iconic moment it's going to be for Tom Brady. Putting a championship ring on his finger. With another organization, one year removed from leaving New England is unprecedented. This guy won a championship in two different conferences. I mean, it's insane what he accomplished last year. That's all going to start Thursday Night Football NBC, and we'll talk to Chris about that here in a minute. You know, I, I, I heard... Something over the weekend, and then I heard people actually doing some pushback on Patrick Mahomes, the Kansas City Chiefs star quarterback. He said something. You know, now that they've added the new game, 17 regular season football games now, Mahomes was talking about going 20-0. and And some in the media were like, Jesus, man, why don't you just worry about the first game? You know, worry about the first four games. I was like, hang on, hang on for a second. Before you rip that to pieces, let me give you a little insight of what Vince Lombardi, and I don't mean to go back old school on you here, but it was a card that I carried around, and I still have the card. My legendary family member, Andy Robostelli, was in New York when Coach Lombardi was the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants. They went to all those championship games back in the early 60s. And when Vince showed up in 1959, not to give you a historical, not to get too old school on you here, but when he walked into the Packers, it's funny, the majority of the Packers who would end up going on to the Hall of Fame were in the building prior to him showing up. They had just been a vagabond group. Lombardi shows up. And he passed one of these cards out to all the players, Starr and Willie Davis and all these great players that were in the room, Jerry Kramer, Taylor, and Horning, and all these guys. Guys are in the room, and here's this guy, Lombardi. Robustelli told me this story. Guy in the back over there, Hall of Famer, MVP, NFL. Vince's first meeting, he looked at the guys, and he said, Gentlemen, we're going to do everything that is going to be in the pursuit of perfection. Everything we do will be in the pursuit of perfection. Everything, running to drills, lifting weights, studying, playing, practicing, 
will be in the pursuit of perfection. Now, we know full well we'll never get there to perfection. But gentlemen, we're going to learn to live with greatness. What Patrick Mahomes is doing, he's setting the bar. There is nothing wrong with setting the bar. He's striving for perfection, knowing full well he won't get there. But if I'm 17 and three, didn't I accomplish everything that I needed to? If you strive for 12 and four, you'll be eight and eight. You strive for eight and eight, you'll be seven and 10. Why rip someone when you're trying to strive for perfection? You know, I, I just, I, I heard people saying that. Obviously, it was media guys who basically just had a pen, a notepad, and don't know anything about perfection and how you have to set lofty goals. Internally, team-wise, organizationally nobody in the NFL or any guy I've ever met that's worth his weight in salt has ever said, I'm looking to be 500. Nobody strives for 500. You're a failure when you're striving for 500. That's all Mahomes is saying. So when he's talking about being 20 and oh, that's it. I, I thought that was growing up as a guy who understands that you have to constantly strive for being perfect in that league. I told you this before numerous times. The difference between being a Super Bowl contender and being an average football team in the NFL is probably 25 plays a year between the teams. Lucky break here, fumble, a, a catch over a guy's shoulder, whatever. That's the difference in that league. That's why the point differential is three points. So when you hear him talking like that, I was like, man, I'm good with that. So I, I, I love the fact now he's growing into that leadership role there in Kansas City. And I think Kansas City, you get Orlando Brown there on the outside at the tackle position. No question, man. They revamped their tackles because they know they have to evolve each and every single year because everybody is evolving in the AFC West. They got to redo his contract many times so that they can fit people on the roster. I think they got it going on for the next couple of years in Kansas City. All right. A couple of weeks ago, we had our friend Frank Reich on, the head football coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and Frank was telling me that there was no doubt that they were making a push hard as soon as the regular season ended. And as soon as they found out that Phillip Rivers was not going to come back, you know, let's not forget something here. Phillip Rivers did win 11 ball games, and that was a pretty competitive playoff game that he was in. Phillip is one of those guys, like Brett Favre, three touchdowns, two picks. He's going to try to jam that football into that little tiny hole. You know, he's going to be one of those kind of guys. So you know this, man, without a doubt, they had a great relationship. And Frank 
forged that relationship when he was in San Diego and the team was still there. One of the greatest things that Frank Wright has always been, like Boomer Esiason said a couple days ago, Frank knows the player inside and out. And let's get to our friend here now, our friend Chris Sims. He joins us now here on the National Football Show. Chris, man, I appreciate you doing this, brother. Thank you, brother. Hey, anytime, Dan. Good to see you, man. How are you? How you been? All good, man. I got to tell people the quick story first. I go, so Chris gets a start in Tampa. I'll never forget this day. My wife, when she found this out, I covered the Buccaneers for 15 years, and Chris is playing. Was it a ruptured spleen? It was a ruptured spleen, yes. I mean, Tell the people how many yards you threw for in that game. How many yards you throw for in that game? 350? Well, I'm – uh, no, I, I don't even know. You know what? I'm better with other people's stats than my own stats. My career wasn't <laughs> worth a damn. It wasn't worth remembering. So I don't remember exactly. I had a pretty good day. We were playing the Carolina Panthers. It was that 2006 season. Of course, they had a very good defense. Chris Jenkins, Julius Peppers, Thomas Davis as a young player, all those guys. And I got hit on like the second drive of the game, Dan. I was dropping back. It was a play called 23Z in. There was a curl route to my left. I was about to throw it, and a linebacker flashed in the way. So then I, I kind of cocked it back in. The pocket was collapsing. I had nowhere to go, so I was getting ready to throw the ball out of bounds. As I got ready to throw the ball out of the bounds, Chris Jenkins hit me from the back and really opened me up. And then Thomas Davis put his helmet right in my stomach. And, uh, you know, life was never – the same. I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. I thought I had a broken rib, something punctured lung. You're not thinking organs are hurt or anything like that. Uh, yeah, so it was a long day, but it's my call to fame now that it's, you know, 15 years later. I was in the, I was in the booth watching it. I, I, I was like, holy cow, man. We had all Buck fans had so much respect for you, man, after that game. Let's get into the modern day guys here. Chris, we had, we sure. had Frank Reich on with us um, a couple days ago. And Boomer Sison also was on with us, and he said something interesting. When Frank puts a game plan together, he just doesn't put X's and O's. He gets into the persona and the mentality of what the guy is, his likes and weaknesses. He forms a great game plan, and when we're structuring a game plan, Boomer's like this. There's nobody better than Frank. You think that's why you made the comment that this relationship between Wentz and Frank Wright is what's going to give them the great success in Indy? Yes, definitely. You know, I think he he lives like vicariously through the quarterback a little bit, right? Because he's played it, so he's he's there coaching on the sidelines, feeling like, hey, me and the quarterback, we're a team here, and that gives the quarterback great confidence to always feel like, man, I got a guy in my corner that that really supports me. I always think of Bruce Arians. To me, that's what Bruce Arians has always been for Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. That's why they'll they'll eat seeds out of his hands, and he says like. Here, little birdie, eat because he's. They feel like he's got their back. I think with Frank Reich, you know, I love he has game plan versatility and game plan specific as far as whoever that matchup is. That's what I like about Frank Reich. So he can be, you know, I don't want to say it's New England, but it's New England-ish to where he can have a totally different attack or a way of doing things on a week-to-week basis where you could study the Colts to go, oh, okay, the last two games they've done this. Oh, wait, all of a sudden we're playing a two-tight end set, and 
They've totally changed the way their approach and what they're doing schematically throwing the game. And to me, that's where Frank Reich is special. Not only game planning around his own guys and their talents, but he figures out how to expose other teams with their schematics. And he gets them in certain formations and personnel sets where he knows what they're in. And then he dials up a big play. Chris, do you agree also with the emergence of Don- Jonathan Taylor that that's also going to be a major asset for them? Because when you look at the both lines, I kind of compared them to what the Eagles had a couple of years ago when they probably had the two best groups, offense and defensive line. You look at that Colts team, they're kind of right down that line as well. And now you add a running back back there who gained a lot of steam. I thought after week eight, he started really looking like somebody. And I'm like, wow, how, how important is all that going to play into him coming back and making a comeback? Yeah, well, I think it's it's all that's huge for Carson Wentz, especially, right? The guy that's trying to find his way back to what he was two years ago or what he was the year before his ACL and they went to the Super Bowl where you can say, really, he fell MVP. That's where it's, it's different in a weird situation with Carson Wentz. Yeah, it wasn't good last year. Yeah, he needs to be repaired and play better. But we have seen him play at a very high level more than one time to think, Oh, no, th- this is a possible thing. He could he could be that guy. And that's where Jonathan Taylor, really talented. Listen, you know, Dan, there ain't a lot of guys on planet Earth that are 230 and can run 439 and go for 70-yard touchdowns and do all that, let alone, let alone run between the tackles with real power and everything like that. But, Dan, I think you're right. It's a good comparison to what you make with the Eagles from a few years back. I mean, the Colts – Really not a weak spot on their roster when you really look at it. I go, ooh, maybe they could use one more playmaker on offense. Maybe one more playmaker on the defensive side of the ball, but that's why they drafted Quiddy Pay in the first round, so hopefully they get that. But offensive line, to what you're saying, top five in football. And then I love Reich because he's an aggressive pass call. He likes to stretch the field, and that's when you get dangerous, when teams have to worry about smash-mouth football, and a 50-yard play action post over the top, make you defend the whole field to become a tough offensive stop. Speaking of Philadelphia, what do you make of what's going on there and your thoughts on Jalen Hurts? Like a rebuild on the fly. That's what's going on there. You know, I, you know, hey, Howie Rose. Are you sold on him, Chris? Are you, Chris, are you sold on Jalen? I, no, not at all, not at all. And, you know, I, I do my top 40 Chris Sims quarterback countdown list, and Jalen Hurts, it, it, he did not make my top 40. He was just on the outside going in. Yet to me, there's still more I got to see before I'm sold on him or I could say he's one of the top 40 quarterbacks in football. He's got some interesting, uh, you know, talent traits as far as his ability to run. It is real. I know that. He does have a strong arm. But – it's not polished, and he misses way too many slam dunk throws for me to just sit here and go, oh, yeah, you're the guy for the future. We're going to build around you. I think that's why you haven't heard Philly really make that big-time commitment either because they know he needs to grow and get better too. Let's go over here to what's going on in Green Bay. And You know, I, I just got through saying a couple minutes ago, so Russell Wilson kicks the tires in the offseason, and look what Seattle does, Chris. They listen. Okay, DK Metcalf last year. Now they're in the sweepstakes potentially for Julio Jones. They 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 invest in the offensive line. And here's what the Packers do the last two years. They move up to get Jordan Love they're not even sure of, and then they sign Blake Bortles. I mean, 
I, you know, I mean, if you're looking at how Green Bay runs their business, I compare them to MySpace, where everybody else is on Instagram. I mean, they still send letters in the mail instead of sending emails. I mean, yeah. it's just an old way of doing things. How do you see this whole situation in Green Bay? Well, I think you're right in a lot of ways. Listen, it's it's a formula that, that they've had in place there in Green Bay for a long time. You know, I know. It's made them successful. It has made them relevant. But I could also sit here and argue, and I think you would agree with me, where you go, oh, yeah, Green Bay, they've done a great job. They've been relevant for the last 24 years in football. That's great. But I could also go to the flip side and go, um, wait, they had two of the six best, five best quarterbacks in the history of the sport. And they only got two Super Bowls. And they both played long careers with the team. So that, to me, tells me there's an outdated method in building the team, when to go all in, when to when to leave this, you know, formula that makes us successful and realize, oh, wait, wait, we got a window right now. We got to make a trade. We got to get a move. We got to do it. And that's where they dropped the ball with Aaron Rodgers. That's why, you know, a lot of the times I argue, in my, in my opinion, Dan, Aaron Rodgers is not the greatest quarterback of all time, but certainly one of the two or three because it's just every year, oh, yeah, Green Bay's a Super Bowl contender. Well, why? What? Oh, because they have Aaron Rodgers. There, there's, you can't really rattle off a number of other players through his career. And, yes, they dropped the ball how they've handled this in trading and drafting for the quarterback in general. Anyways, why Rodgers is in his prime. And, uh, I don't, you know, they made this bet. They're going to have to deal with Rodgers and, and – him being a little mad, pissed off, for lack of a better way to say it. You know, Chris, I and I, and I say this to you, he's the greatest spinner of the football I've ever seen. I mean, when you right. when you constantly right. see this number, 48 touchdowns and five picks, I don't think people understand the touchdown-to-interception ratio, how insane that is. Like if you had a quarterback with 11 picks – and 40 touchdowns or 38 touchdowns with today's NFL with the way they throw the ball, you'd be exceptionally happy with that. 48 and 5, you may never see anything like that ever again. And, and to your point, Chris, I mean, look at the way their relationship was with Favre at the end. Look at the way their relationship is now with Rodgers. Green Bay doesn't do a very good job at handling their star quarterbacks. I mean, you made the point. San Francisco's got Montana and Young. They win five Super Bowls. These guys went right. two. You had two quarterbacks for 31 years, and here's where you are. Does it come down to relationships? I I think a little bit of that, you know, relationships, knowing your guys, you know, knowing when that moment is to say, hey, wait, let's not think about the future. Time is now. Let's not waste a first-round pick on the quarterback. Let's get a receiver or somebody that can help us out. And I think that's added to the tension here. Because Rodgers is looking at it going, wait, I, I'm, I'm like you said. He's one of the greatest you've ever seen. To me, he's got the strongest arm in the history of the football. In football, it's, it's arguably the quickest release in the history of football. You know, his ability to improvise and make plays outside the pocket is as good as anybody we've seen, maybe other than Patrick Mahomes, who now is down his neck in that department. But it's this is this is special turnover interception ratio like you talk about Dan. It's the greatest in the sport. It's not even close. He's over 400 touchdown passes, less than 100 career interceptions, quickest to 40,000 yards, quickest to 300 TDs. He is Green Bay, and that's where I don't get it. Support them and what they're doing. And and, and you know I was gonna make another point, and I lost my point. But oh, the attention. 
you know, Favre was a little different. Favre kind of held it over them for the last few years. I might retire. I'm not sure I'm going to play or any of that. Rodgers has done nothing. He took a team-friendly contract. Six years. He's always done the right thing. He doesn't stick his nose and do a lot of things that they do in the personnel department. And that's where I don't get it. And I think that as an attention, I'm finally getting to my point here, is he watches Mahomes with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Man, I just get trapped into a team that's got stars. And then he sees Brady and what he does, not only coming from New England, but he goes, damn, then he gets to go to the Tampa All-Star team down there and win another <laughs> Super Bowl. And I can't get a damn you know, receiver up here that's a first-rounder. And I think that's where he's got to be at his wit's end. <laughs> Chris, two last questions for you. Speaking of Brady yeah. down there, um, I, I think the secret sauce with Brady has been the fact that he's invested in himself everywhere he's been. You know, the money that he kicked back up in New England, hell, I never knew where it went. I mean, but the cap was always so balanced, special teams. I mean, look at Adam Vinatieri, who's going to go into the Hall of Fame. Their special teams, they had some of the best units in the NFL – I think that was always because of Brady not being the highest paid guy in the sport. Look what he does in Tampa. He kicks money back so they can get all 22 guys back. He's the best teammate of all time. He puts the troubled guys next to him, whether it be Corey yeah. Dillon or Aaron Hernandez or Antonio Brown. I think that's really been the secret of him besides his amazing talent. He's been the best teammate that I've ever seen at that position. I, I can't argue with you there, Dan. You know, I, I do push back sometimes when people say he's the greatest of all time because I go, well, listen, I know he's really awesome, and I know he's one of the greatest, and I know he has the most Super Bowl rings, but I also think we could put a lot of quarterbacks up in New England, and they would have won four, five, six Super Bowls, maybe two. And that's not disrespect. But, but, like, I don't think I can even argue what you're saying there at all. I agree. This is the, he's the greatest leader we've ever seen in the history of the sport. I have no question about that. And he's got a great way about him, like you're talking about, to relate to everybody in the locker room. I got to witness it working up in New England. You know, he was great to me personally. But you could see he was great to the 75th guy on the roster during training camp or the biggest star player. It didn't matter. He was just a, a great, normal guy. And then you see his intensity and his compassion for the sport – and how he works, it becomes infectious through the team. And there's no stat that can really quantify what he does for your football team that way. And that's where he is special. And then I'll also say to that, where people underrate, and I always like push back with Brady, you know, people think he's like, oh, he was a game manager or smart. Brady's arm is the real deal. Like, I, I've, I mean, I've called Pat Brady, played against him. Brady's arm, yeah, it might not be Aaron Rodgers or Marino or Mahomes or Brett Favre, but it's not far down the list after that as far as that next group of great arms in the history of the sport. And I think when you talk about what you're talking about and everything like that, that's what makes Tom Brady so special for so long. Finally here, um, I don't really care what the story is in Jacksonville with Tebow. I, I, he's the 52nd dude on the team. However... He's got the fame of Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Peyton Manning. He just doesn't have the ability of those guys. Is that a conflict in the locker room for what Urban Meyer is going to try to uh, instill on his guys? Do you have any issue with what's going on? 
I don't want to say yes, it's going to cause an issue. I don't want to say yes, because I don't know. But I, I think there is great potential there for issues. That's what probably would have scared me not to do it. You know, I know Tim Tebow's got a great heart. He's a good guy. All those works hard. All those things you talk about. But ever since he's gotten signed there, I haven't heard one other thing about the football team other than Tim Tebow. Nothing. I heard one day that Trevor Lawrence had a rough had a rough practice in the red zone. Other than that, I haven't heard about one other person on the team. So that's going to annoy some of the players there. And if you constantly have to be asked that about a guy who maybe not contributing to the team, or we don't even know if he made the team or that, it's, it's gonna it can make it can possibly make people resent Urban Meyer and having to answer these questions all the time. That's that's where I think it could maybe go negative. But Urban Meyer's got a good feel. I know Tim Tebow's going to do his best probably to try to stay out of the way. But I speak from my experience, Dan. When I left Denver Broncos, Tebow was drafted right after I left. He kind of made himself available to the media on a daily basis, even though he was the backup quarterback behind Kyle Orton. I know it rubbed a lot of the veterans in that locker room the wrong way to where they just didn't think that was right. Because it puts more pressure on the starting quarterback. Then there was that billboard that was up. Ben Jordan put Tebow in all of that. And he didn't make a stance and say no or do anything like that. And that's where I just, you could see a potential you know, schism in the locker room at some point where guys are like, listen, I've had enough talking about this guy and only this guy all the time and having to deal with that crap. Yeah, I'm going to call him Rudy. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, I love hey it. Chris, I appreciate you doing this, man. Thank you so much, man. I love the stuff that you do with uh, Florio and those guys, man. Thank you so much for coming Thanks. aboard here, man. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Dan. You're a legend, man. I'm, I'm happy to do it. You're the man. <laughs> you bet, man. Thank you so much. That is my friend, Chris Sims. He was fantastic. Yeah. He's Rudy to me. <laughs> okay. Tebow's Rudy. Come on, man. Like I said, too, look, he is going to rub people the wrong way. By the way, one of the criticisms that people have is that, you know, Tim doesn't ever try to soften the media uproar wherever he goes. A lot of organizations don't like that. And the fact that the backup quarterback, and for the record, many times the backup quarterback is traditionally one of the most famous guys on the team. Put that guy in. Let's see what he can do. The quarterback that we have now, he sucks. And, you know, now you have a polarizing guy like this. Okay? And, he, and Chris is right. All we have heard is Tebow mania. All right. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll talk to Mark Schlereth from Fox Sports. We'll do all that next. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy, Dan Trillio. And truly one of my favorite dudes. And he is a dude, any dude with three Super Bowl rings, man. I mean, holy cow. Love him on Fox Sports and all the great things that people say up in Denver about our friend and his radio show that he has. I watch him all the time with Colin Coward. He is our friend, Mark Schlereth, and he joins us now here on the National Football Show. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing good, Dan. How are you, my friend? How was the holiday? Good? Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, apparently, Denver became Seattle. We had uh, <laughs> like three straight days of rain, which is unheard of here in Denver, Colorado. So we've had a very mild and very wet spring, which I don't mind being a, an Alaska kid. You know, I mean, that was uh, that was training in the summertime. I, you know, it's funny. I was just back in Idaho, North Idaho, for a golf tournament, raising money for the University of Idaho. And me and my buddies were talking the first time I ever landed in Spokane, it was 94 degrees, you know, I mean, just blistering hot. And I just came from Alaska where I had been training, lifting, running. It's 55 and drizzly all summer. And I'll never forget standing outside the airport. You know, my dad was going to drive me up to the University of Idaho uh, from Spokane. And I was like, I am, I'm going to die. Like I have never, I've never experienced this kind of heat. So that was my first uh, venture into the, into the heat and it was uh it was miserable man it was for me it was miserable so i like the drizzle how about this mark so i get recruited to go to university of miami i go down there they recruit me in uh february i'm out here going like this man this weather is nice yeah holy cow all of a sudden i get down there in september i went okay this the oven's gonna get turned off right <laughs> i was like i used to call my grandfather go I, i'm there's no way i'm making tomorrow I am not going to make tomorrow, man. I'm with you. I grew up in Connecticut, man, in the cold. And I go down there. I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't working for me. (laughs) I'm telling you, Dan, for me, the worst place in the world to play. You know, people would always say, oh, 
we're going to you know Miami in December. And I'd be like, man, I want to. I don't want anything to do with Miami in December. I mean, it's the humidity, and I, I like. There's not enough gold bond. In, there's not enough gold bond powder in in America to keep my crotch from sweating. You know, total bat wings the whole time you're out there. And I, I, I was, I had a layer of fat on at the time. You know, it's December. You're like, man, I just want to play in cold weather. I love the cold. I, I hated going to Miami. Worst, I mean, the worst atmosphere to play a football game in, uh, as far as I was concerned. Absolutely, man. All right, Mark. A um, lot of news coming out of Denver right now. And I, I follow me here if you follow my train of thought here when it comes to John. I know John's not the GM of the team now, but he is the president. And I would think influence when it came to veterans, especially at that position. I compare John Elway to Pat Riley in this aspect. Not the greatest drafter, both of them. But if a quarterback picks the phone up, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to listen because it's that dude on what that guy meant and what that guy can do for me as I'm 37 years of age, bringing me into Denver, I'm on grass, he's going to build a football team around me the same way he built around Peyton Manning. Do Am, am I off my rails when I say that this is a possibility that John can make a move. I don't know if they have the assets. You tell me if they yeah. can make the assets happen. But is this a possibility or is this media talk? No, no, no. I think it's I think it's definitely a possibility. Um, and I think it's something that Aaron Rodgers wants to, to be a part of. Um, and, and you're right about John from the standpoint of, you know, having the ability to talk to a quarterback like Peyton Manning and say, hey, man, Peyton, you know, come to Denver. It's a great place to play. You're, you're not going to regret it. Now, really beyond that, more than anything, players aren't coming for whoever the GM is. You know, that, that they're coming because that quarterback is there. So when when the quarterback got there, when when John secured Peyton Manning, well, then you saw, you know, the Akeem Talibs and the Boss Wards and the uh, Darian Stewarts and, and all the people come because they want to be a part of that. You know, Wes Welker, and they want to be a part of, of that collection of talent and knowing that that quarterback gives you an opportunity to win football games. You know, there's only a handful of, of guys in the league, Dan, that cover warts. There's, you know, there's Tom Brady, there's Aaron Rodgers, there is, you know, Mahomes to a degree. There, there's, there's three or four or five, uh, Russell Wilson, that will cover warts. The rest of the guys in the league expose warts. And, and the bottom line is, I think that Matthew Stafford's an elite-level quarterback. How many times have you been to the playoffs in, in his, you know, 11, 12 years in Detroit? Twice? Yeah. Um, never won a playoff game. So, you know, there's only a, a select handful of guys that are war covers, and Aaron Rodgers happens to be one of those guys. So he, to me, if you can get him here, he brings people with him. I think the other thing that, you know, that's interesting to me is um, when you start to evaluate the asset that is the Denver Broncos, and you've got a family ownership group that cannot get along. They're divided. And I don't see any way that the one side of the family versus the other side of the family comes to some sudden epiphany that, hey, this is best for all of us. You go ahead and run it. So I believe that sooner than later, this, this organization is going to be sold. The Bowling family will not own it anymore. And to me, if you're talking about um, of if you're talking about selling this organization, it's a three billion plus dollar organization. How much more from a from a asset value standpoint and a monetization standpoint does a, a organization 
that has Aaron Rodgers and it has a bunch of national televised games and and has a a national prominence again, how much more valuable is that two years down the road compared to what they are right now? This is the first time that they have not had a Monday night or Sunday night game since 1991 at this franchise. Unbelievable. It's, it's unheard of. It's They have not in four or five years – they have not been able to guarantee the NFL and CBS on that, you know, on that on that station, um, an afternoon rating. Like the, for for all the years that Pat Bowen owned the Denver Broncos, they guaranteed a two o'clock window or you know two o'clock window here, four o'clock Eastern, four twenty-five Eastern. They guaranteed a rating because they had that big a national presence. They no longer have that, and and that's sad. But that's the reality of where they are right now. So they need to they, they need to figure that out. And Aaron Rodgers certainly would uh, would help, you know, help that national presence for the Denver Broncos. Mark, here, here's where I go with the Packers. And let me tell me if you subscribe to where I'm going here with them. You know, I, I was talking to Kurt Warner the other day about this, and I said this to him. You know, here you got an organization for the last 31 years has had two dudes in the room. Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, and no disrespect, you've been to a bunch, you've been to a couple Super Bowls, you've only got two, and I say that with all great respect, you've only got two, but you had those guys for 31 years. You don't have an owner. You do everything by committee. You piss off your star every time, whether it be Favre or now Rodgers. I mean, look, look, Russell Wilson kicks the tires, Mark, and he gets a little pissed off because he's getting hit. What do they do? They revamp the O-line. DK Metcalf last year. They go out and they're now in the sweepstakes for Julio Jones. Here's what the Packers do. They trade up to get Jordan Love and they sign Blake Bortles. I mean, I, 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 I don't I don't understand how they have this relationship with their star player. This is why they trip over themselves. Yeah, I don't I don't get it either. I mean, it seems pretty easy to fix, right? Aaron yeah. Rodgers has said, I don't have a problem with coaches, I don't have a problem with the players, I have a problem with the front office. And it seems to me pretty easy to fix if you want to fix it. Like, hey, get rid of the front office. I mean, pretty easy. Seems simple. You know, if you, it, it, this goes back for years and years, and there's a bunch of things that happen here. But, you know, I believe part of it is arrogance, like organizational arrogance. Hey, we did it once with Brett Favre, and we transitioned to, to Aaron Rodgers, and now we drafted Jordan Love, and we're going to transition again because we're smarter than everybody else, you know. And you know how organizations feel that way. Um, it's funny how smart you are when you have really good players and a really good quarterback and how <laughs> stupid you are when you don't, right? And, and so for me, I'm like, it, it seems pretty easy. And the longer you wait to rectify the situation, I think the more pissed off Aaron Rodgers gets. I mean, so – I would look at that situation and go, okay, you want to fix it. You, you can fix it right now. But if you're going to play the waiting game and think you're going to force Aaron Rodgers because he's going to miss the guys and miss football that much that he won't sit out, I think you're, I think you're completely misreading Aaron Rodgers as a human. I, I just don't think you understand uh, that situation. And, and this goes back. I mean, it's beyond, you know, it's beyond drafting Jordan Love. It's drafting Jordan Love and then saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers checked off on it. And Aaron Rodgers is going, Nobody ever asked me anything about it, right? It's it's about Aaron Rodgers coming out and going, man, I'm really developing a great relationship with Jake Kumaro as one of those secondary kind of receivers out, uh, you know, on the opposite side of Adams, and the next day them cutting him. It's Aaron Rodgers feeling disrespected at every turn 
for nine or 10 straight years, you drafted in the first round a defensive player, except when you drafted the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. So there comes a time when, you know, message sent. I get it, guys, and um, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm sick of you guys. And, and I think that's where Aaron is right now. I, I, I want to shift you to Jacksonville here, and I want to say this to you here. I think Urban Meyer feels the hatred, some of the hatred, that you have publicly and maybe in the media for Tim Tebow. And here's why, Mark. Okay, there's 53 dudes on that roster. Trevor Lawrence, no one cares, okay? He's the face of the franchise. We all know that. But there's old linemen on that team or defensive linemen on that team, which surely would like an opportunity to make sure that you give me special plays where you put me in a position to make the team. It give me an opportunity to have one of those 53 chairs in the room. I'm not talking about the opportunity to get in the room. I'm talking about being in the room. And I know this being in that room with a bunch of teams, those chairs are so sacred. You do everything in your power to get into one of those chairs, and you'll just about do anything. And when you hear the head coach going, I'm going to put up the Tyson Hill plays for this guy. Well, hey, you know what? Maybe we have a red zone. Th I I'm sitting here going like this. Bro, you're not helping him. You're not helping him in the room. I don't think you are. Maybe I'm wrong, Mark. Yeah, I no, I don't think you are either. The other thing is, from a credibility standpoint, and you know how the league operates. I mean, normally, you sit down and you watch. You can be on the field for an hour, two hours. And – and, you know, two days. And you, you as a player, go. you can sit back during practice and go, that dude's a player, that dude's a player, that dude's a player, that guy can't play, that guy can play, that guy, can't, right. that, that guy can't play. You know, you can pick the roster down to three guys, and you'll be right pretty much 100% of the time. And so the issue that you get into is an integrity issue. If, if guys feel like hey, – if Tim Tebow comes out and he earns it and he, and he plays lights out and he's great – then, then that's awesome. But if he's a gimmick, a sideshow, somebody to sell tickets, somebody to sell jerseys, uh, your third tight end damn well better be able to play special teams. And, you know, I think, I think people are funny um, because people think special teams is easy. Special <laughs> teams is probably the hardest part in football. And, and I know, I mean, I covered kickoffs as a rookie, and um, I was absolute garbage. Uh, you know, I, I made a I made a play on my very first kickoff cover, the very first one I ever covered in my entire life as a, you know, as I didn't cover them in college and, and I covered it in the NFL um, in the Hall of Fame game, made a wedge bust, assist on a tackle. And from that point forward, they started blocking me and I was worthless. And I was just like, if I have to make this team through special teams, I, I got no chance. Those guys have to be I mean, number one, they got to be touched. Number two. That's an unbelievable skill to be able to do that and to be able to understand blocking schemes at full speed and everything that goes on. Um, and and I just find it really hard to believe. I think people just go, oh, yeah, he'll be a third tight end and play some special teams. It, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and the other thing is, is he came out of college running 4-7, 4-7-5. I think it's an insult to, to compare him to Taysom Hill, who is one of the most dynamic athletes in the National Football League. He's a maven on special teams. He runs down and just crushes people. Um, he plays – I mean, I did several Saints games last year for Fox. He will play quarterback. He'll play tailback. He'll play fullback. He'll play the motion receiver, the F in, in slot. He'll play the F tight end, which is the backside tight end. He can play the Y. Like, he is, he is the ultimate Swiss Army knife. And I'm talking about your ability to understand – 
every position and every route and every route combination, every blocking scheme. Like it's it's amazing. And he's a four four guy, you know, a four four three guy. I mean, it, the, the two athletes are not even comparable. So we'll see. But I, I tell you what, Urban Meyer will lose a ton of credibility if the guys on that team feel like you're just carrying the dude and he didn't earn it. And, and you know, you, they'll they'll let you know. Absolutely. Two last questions for you, Mark. I got one here for you with San Francisco. I think that's the move of the offseason. Follow me here. You were able to keep a guy on your football team that's 22-8. and eight. I get it. He's missed 53% of his football game since he's been in San Francisco. No way you can build a Super Bowl roster around a guy who misses half the season. You just can't. I get it. When he's healthy, though, he could take you to a Super Bowl. So they draft, they move up, they get their future, they have their present. Say Garoppolo goes on, flip a coin, he's healthy, and he takes that team back to the NFC Championship game again. You've built his equity back up. If you do want to move off him, you're not only not going to get a second rounder, you're going to get a first rounder for him. If you do feel that you want to go to Trey Lance, maybe you want to move Trey Lance. I mean, I don't see how this plays out. The only disaster that it would be is if Garoppolo gets hurt in week three. He gets hurt in week three, your value for that player is gone. Then you have to rush your future. What says you on this? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they're they're in a really good situation right now. Garoppolo obviously has the ability, you know, to, to really play good football. And we've we've seen that. Now, you, you also have to understand that Kyle Shanahan's a master of being in your ear and letting you know as a quarterback exactly what's coming, like what the front, what the front and how the front ties to the back end and what coverage is coming and, and what safety's rotating down. Like he is in the quarterback's ear right up until that, until that, you know, that that signal goes out at 14 seconds or whatever it is. So he really helps his quarterbacks. I mean that Matt Ryan won the uh, league MVP with Kyle Shanahan operating the offense, you know, as a coordinator. So um, that that's part of the deal that Kyle does a great job with. But Jimmy Garoppolo is a really outstanding. He's an outstanding leader. He's an outstanding quarterback. Like you said, um, just can't stay healthy. So they're in a good situation. If Jimmy Garoppolo can lead them and, and lead them to, a, you know, a playoff run, that's great. You get to, you get to play almost like what the Kansas city chiefs did. And I love this about, I think people, people tend to forget this. You know, everybody wants you to draft a quarterback. Like, the future is a quarterback. Got to get a quarterback. First-round quarterback. First-round quarterback. And, and what you have to understand is all these first-round quarterbacks will be second, third, and fourth rounders if, if there wasn't a rookie wage scale. So you're elevating quarterbacks to where they shouldn't be drafted. Most of the guys can't play um, or at least don't elevate your football team. And I start looking at, you know, the, the narrative around these quarterbacks because – it's wrong. The narrative's incorrect. They they look at a guy like Josh Allen and say, see, you just got to get one and you got to develop him. Well, remember, that was a team that went to the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor. They were building that roster well before Josh Allen ever got there. Uh, in Kansas City, Mahomes, that was 11-5, and 12-4 team under Alex Smith. And Mahomes, I, I will tell you, talking to Matt Nagy, who was a coordinator that time, talking to the guys on that coaching staff in Kansas City, They'll tell you the value of having Alex Smith tutor a, a Patrick Mahomes. Having that year where he just got to sit and watch before he actually played was invaluable. So I think all those things, you have to understand that 
really, if you have a crappy football team and you draft a quarterback and think you're going to, you'll kick the can down the road and you'll get your fan base excited. But the bottom line is that kid's going to be Sam Darnold. You know, he's going to get the crap beat out of him and then you're going to move him to Carolina and then you're going to draft the next guy. You got to build a roster so a young guy can come in and have options. We can run the ball. We can set up our play action. We've got, you know, we've got a good enough defense that we, we can three it out. We can punt and we're going to be okay. And unfortunately, the recipe is backwards to me. It's just go get a quarterback and then we'll fix everything else. And bottom line, I, I just don't believe that works. Finally here, um, they're working on a contract now in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. As, as much as I love the talent, and I would even say this to you, Mark, I would throw down money to go watch the kid play. I think he's one of the most electric guys. Mm -hmm. He did lead the NFL in touchdown passes a couple years ago with 38. He's two years in a row now, 1,000-yard rusher. I don't know if that means anything when it comes to winning games from the pocket. I mean, how do you go forward if you're, if you're Baltimore? Do you look at a long-term extension? Do you look at an extension that looks like maybe what Dak got? You're surely not going to go 10 years because, to me, he's a hit away from being RG3 in the legs, potentially, because if you're looking at 150, 180 carries, then you're talking about getting hit in the pocket. You're talking about almost 350 times that guy's going to be on his ass. You're yeah. just destined for the hit. You know what I mean? How yeah. do you go forward if you're Baltimore here? Well, Baltimore has invested. Baltimore, it's funny. When you talk to John Harbaugh about kind of – the thought process of what they've gone through. Um, and they have gone through and they've done studies on this, that Lamar is so gifted as an athlete and is such an unbelievable scrambler and has such a great awareness about him that they basically said his, the, the big hits that he takes or the, the, the flush hits that he takes are about the same as a guy that's a pocket passer, just because of his elusiveness and, and his ability to get down and, and kind of live to fight another day. So he does, it, it's an interesting aspect. You know, when you're standing there in the pocket, you get squared up between the shoulders. I mean, those, those things hurt, right? And, oh, yeah. And Lamar does, not, Lamar does not take a lot of those big-time shots. There's always those backs, you know, that you know aren't going to last for a long time. A running back that just, I mean, is a, you know, bulldozer. And you're like, that dude – that dude is going to be a flash. Like he's going to flash for four or five years. And then all of a sudden he's just going to fall apart. And then there's those dudes, you know, the Tony Dorsett's that, that are gelatinous, uh, Christian McCaffrey that just is like, well, and never really gets flushed up. And I think that's where they feel Lamar is, is like, he doesn't get flushed up a lot. And as he continues to progress from the pocket, as he continues to be better and better and better in that aspect of, of the game, like that dual threat ability, because ultimately you get so much, you, know, you get so much man-to-man -man coverage when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens because of their just, I mean, unbelievably ridiculous run game. And, you know, and it's, it's collision, you know that. I mean, it's one of those things that you never prepare for. You have, you know, you have, two days of practice to prepare for it. You don't hit each other. Like, I don't know. I like the advantage that they have, the way they run the football um, is, is pretty ridiculous. And I, and I did a couple of Baltimore games, not last year, the year before. And John, John was like, listen, 
man, a new passing concept hasn't been developed in this league in 25 years. Like everybody's running the same stuff, you know, same formation, same route combination. West Coast. You know, the very first day of the very first day of installation, you're gonna put in dragon, you know, slant drag. You're gonna put in, um, you know, curl flat. You're gonna like everybody runs the same stuff. He goes, we got plays in the running game that we haven't unleashed. We've got we've got three years of runs that we haven't even we haven't even scratched the surface on the stuff we're doing. So I think they feel pretty content and pretty safe. I mean, I'm not gonna say they don't hold their breath when he takes off. But I think they feel pretty safe about Lamar in that role. You know, and what you just mentioned there too, Mark, that he goes from a Joe Flacco offense and he just flips the script to putting this dynamic offense around yeah. Lamar in a year. And one of the most incredible things i ever seen in my life, it's almost what Saban did on the fly down in Alabama. He goes from like ground and pound. All of a sudden he's spreading the football out down in Tuscaloosa and you're going, where the hell did that come from, from, right. you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, I think it was really interesting because I had a long conversation with John just about the genesis of, of what they wanted to do. And I don't think there's anybody in the league that plays more kind of from a complimentary standpoint. So, you know, if you kick the ball off to them, they drive it down your throat. You haven't seen, you haven't, you know, you really haven't practiced against it. So it takes you a drive or two, to familiarize yourself with the fits and what they're doing, right? And they cram it down your throat. They put a seven, eight-minute drive together, and they score a touchdown. And then, you know, Wink Martindale on the other side, their coordinator, is going to, you know him, he's zero he's zero blitz all the time, right? So he's going to bring pressure on first, on first down. He's going to bring a pressure. He's going to get you behind the chains. He's going to try to get you in second down and 12 and get you a three and out, and then they get the ball again. And they cram it down your throat. They put another five-minute drive together. They kick a field goal, and they're up 10 to nothing. And you've had one possession, a three and out. You've got 27 seconds left on the clock to start your second possession in the first quarter. And your coordinator starts going, oh, shoot. Like, we're in, <laughs> like, we're in trouble. Like, we got to score every time we touch the ball. And so then you quit running the ball. You quit. Like, you start counting possessions. Like, we've had one possession in the first quarter. You know, what we'll really we'll get two because we're gonna start one with 27 seconds left. So we're gonna get two possessions in the set. We'll have three quarter or three possessions by halftime. Like three meaningful possessions by halftime if if we're good and we're already down by 10. It feels like we're down by 17, by by 20. And that's the game, that's the game the Baltimore Ravens put you in. And I'm telling you what. Like, it's real. A, a normal possession, normal offensive possession game-wise is about 12 to 13. You you walk into that game going, we're going to get eight possessions tops, and we better, we damn well better score on all eight. And and they get, they, I mean, they just get teams. The teams run out of patience when they're playing the Baltimore Ravens. Absolutely, man. They kill you on time of possession and field position every single time because if you if you get 50 plays, 55, 60 plays, yeah. and you're the opponent, you're lucky. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for spending so much time with us, man. It's really a great honor to have you aboard with us here, man. And thank you so much for doing this. You got it, Dan, man. Take care, buddy. All the best. You got it, man. That is our friend Mark Schlereth from Fox Sports. We'll take a quick timeout, and you keep it right here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. 
Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, pure bull dry rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. We turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods. The perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. Welcome back to the National Football Show with your boy, Dan Cilio. Really some great guys on the show today. Chris Sims from NBC Sports and Mark Schlereth, who we just talked to from Fox Sports. Tomorrow, we will talk to our friend Mike Lombardi and get his thoughts on all the activity that's going on in this offseason with the NFL. So we'll talk to Mike Lombardi. That will be tomorrow. You know, I, I, I thought it was interesting listening to Mark Schlera talk about the Ravens and talk about what's going on with Lamar Jackson because I'm a gigantic fan now of Lamar Jackson. And I basically said this a couple years ago about him. I thought he'd be out of the league in five years. I didn't think that guy could hit the broad side of a barn. I really didn't. I did not think he was capable of being that kind of player. He is a dynamic guy, okay? A completely dynamic guy. And you know what I love about the guy? The guy is an absolute warrior. I love the shirts that he wears. He's got a shirt that says, nobody cares. And I love that because he's right. Nobody's going to care but you when it comes to being great. Nobody's. I tell my daughter this all the time. My daughter is a Division I rugby player. And she's out right now, actually, training. 
And I tell her all the time, I go like this, always know this. When you become great, no one's watching. You become great when the lights aren't on. When the lights are on, that's your chance to show everybody your hard work, your sacrifice, your dedication, all the things that you put into being great come out on game day. You should be mentally and physically prepared. That's why I always tell people one of the greatest things and one of the greatest lessons I ever was taught by my Hall of Fame coach, Jimmy Johnson. Our practices were so goddamn tough, so hard, so brutal, so physical. Hey, man, when the games came on Saturdays or Sundays playing for Jimmy, games were just a day off. It was the easiest part of the week because that's where we celebrated. That's where we won. All of our, hey, and I mean this. I tell my kid all the time, you the hard work you put in, for you to play 60 minutes of football, you've got to put a million minutes in. All the things you do to try to be great, everything you do, game tempo, everything, has to have a sense of urgency. That's what Lamar has is a sense of urgency. He wants to be good. There are certain dudes like Jay Cutler who roll into a huddle, you know, rely on talent. We see it all the time. You see guys like Carmelo Anthony is a great example of that. Carmelo Anthony versus LeBron. Didn't they come into the league same time? One guy was eating ding-dongs and ho-hos, and the other guy was taking care of his body, and at his age, is still a superstar. You know what Carmelo is now? Carmelo Anthony's a role player on the Port and uh, Trailblazers. He's a role dude. Not saying that's bad, but obviously one guy took care of his body more and one guy didn't. Same thing with Brady. Look at all the quarterbacks that Tom Brady has flown by because of one thing, taking care of his body, playing at a high level, never looking up, practicing his, practicing his ass off. That's what makes that guy special. That's what makes Lamar, and that's what makes me do this with Lamar. Hey, man. There's just something about this kid that you want to invest in. And I think that's what we heard there with Mark Schlerer talking about Lamar Jackson and how the Ravens are sold on him. You know, there was some stupid talk in the, you know, draft pre-talk. We always hear some of the dumb stuff that people say. Maybe they should move off of Lamar Jackson and they should move on to uh, Justin Fields from Ohio State. I'm like, why would you in the world ever do something like that? You found the guy. Isn't it crazy how some of these organizations have the guy in their building? And for whatever reason, they think the grass is greener on the other side. And I'm glad to hear Baltimore doesn't think that. They don't think the grass. Green Bay might think it. Well, if we, you know, if we start marketing the guy and we start throwing it out there that potentially this guy here can, you know, be moved. Maybe we save 19. You're talking dumb. Here's what I do. I got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. I'm going to ride that pony until he's dead. I'm not getting rid of him. What happens when you don't have a quarterback in your building? Ask Bill Belichick. Last year and in Cleveland. Ask him. Hey, ask Mike McCarthy what it's like not having a quarterback the year Rodgers went down in Green Bay. Or for that matter, last season in um, 
Dallas when he didn't have him. When he when he lost Dak, and he's going to Andy Dalton and some of these other dudes, and Dalton gets hurt, and then you got nobody, right? And you got some dude that went to Eagle Creek University quarterback and that I didn't even know existed. And you're like, I'm riding these guys until they're dead. I'm not. I'm not getting off of Russell Wilson. I'm not getting off of Aaron Rodgers. I'm riding that pony until he drops. No way on the planet. You know, I, I I brought this up again to Jimmy Johnson over the weekend, and I asked Coach, I go, so Coach, I mean, what would you ask for Aaron Rodgers? He goes, well, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm not moving off that guy. Are you crazy? This guy just threw for, like Chris Sims said uh, today, this guy threw for 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. Where on the planet are you finding that to remotely get close to that? He protects the ball, and he throws for a crap load of touchdowns. I don't know. You're not replaying three first-round draft choices and two number twos for Aaron Rodgers. You're still not getting your value back out of the player. How many... How many players do you remember that have actually panned out that the Rams ended up like utilizing off that RG3 deal when they sent RG3 to um, Washington? I can't tell you. Who, who, who were those three guys? They weren't Aaron Donald, I'll tell you that. You never get your value back. How about the Khalil Mack deal when – the Raiders ended up sending Khalil Mack to Chicago. Who have they've gotten back in return for that? I don't know. Right? Do you talk about people there with, I mean, you're never going to get your value. The Jimmy Garoppolo deal. Also, you're not, if Garoppolo is healthy, he is a better quarterback than Trey Lance. How about this? If Jimmy Garoppolo is a, if he if he's healthy, he could be one of your top 20 guys. Ross Tucker, who was on with us a couple days ago, said, man, if you have a 15 to 20 quarterback, you could win a Super Bowl. I also thought it was pretty interesting. By the way, I want to go back to something that one of my friends said here a couple minutes ago, Chris Sims, when he said that Jalen Hurts is not a top 40 quarterback. You have to understand there's only 32 starters in the NFL. Okay, there's 32 starters. So he actually thinks that there's eight backup quarterbacks that are better than Jalen Hurts. 32 teams, 32 starters. He actually, of nine, because he doesn't think he's anything. So it would be nine. This guy actually thinks he's not very good. Chris Sims said that, that Jalen Hurts is not a top 40 quarterback. He doesn't have him in his top 40. I don't know about you, but that's pretty breaking news to me because Sims does have his top 32 power rankings for his quarterbacks every year, and it always makes uh, headlines. And to say that the starting quarterback in Philadelphia is not a top 40 guy. Be looking out on my social media page 
because I'm sure this is going to hit the fan. So you dealt away a guy who he thinks is going to have a comeback type year. If you listen to Chris Sims, Chris Sims said here that he thinks this guy is going to have nothing but massive success in Indianapolis, talking Carson Wentz. And he personally thinks that Jalen Hurts has a long way to go. He just hasn't shown enough, and he's not a top 40 guy. (laughs) If that guy bombs and Howie Roseman traded up into the second round to get that guy and he flops on his face and Carson Wentz goes on to win comeback player of the year, let's hypothetically say this. What if Wentz puts that Colts team in the AFC championship game? God forbid he wins it and then goes to a Super Bowl and wins it. It'll be one of the worst mistakes in the history of the NFL at the quarterback position. There's only one other there's only one other move that I would consider that was as horrible would be when the Falcons got rid of Favre and traded him to Atlanta. And remember what Glanville said? A4. You know what the NFL means? Not for long. He never thought much of Brett Favre. And they traded him. Ron Wolf ended up trading him or trading for Brett Favre in Atlanta. Yeah, everyone always like, well, he's a Green Bay Packer. Well, no, that's not how it started. He wasn't a Green Bay Packer. He was a Atlanta Falcon. The Falcons had the dude in the room. And then Brett Favre goes up and does the things that he does in Green Bay. Wow. So eight backups or nine backups are more talented than the starting quarterback in Philadelphia. <laughs> okay, right, all right. Hey, I, I, I want to address that one issue again with Patrick Mahomes wanting to go 20-0. and 0. We'll do that next. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The future waits for no one, so we refuse to wait for it. We're not just pilots and engineers. We are pioneers. Today, battles are waged in nanoseconds. And planes are piloted from the other side of the world. 
we turn night into day and fly missions in space. The future's not coming. It's already here. This is the future. Join us and be the future. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Welcome back to the National Football Show. Dan Stilio here. By the way, Mike Lombardi tomorrow will be with us. We'll talk some NFL with him. And this week, Tony Dungy's trying to find a slot for us on Thursday or Friday. So we'll keep you updated on what's going on there. We always bring you the biggest game. We always bring you the biggest guest. We always bring you the biggest talk right here on the National Football Show. So right here for us here, right on the Jacob Media Channel. We really appreciate Cal, Xander, Big Joe, thank you so much here, too. By the way, I just got some good news here. Are you ready for this? So it looks like Jimmy Johnson's big chill down in South Florida wants to be part of the show. Just got a little insight here for you as we share the stuff here. We'll be working out trying to get coaches uh, grilled down in South Florida, down in the Keys here, part of the Dan Cilio show. So I guess everyone's starting to watch it now. That leads me to this. Do me a favor. Like it, share it, do whatever. We so appreciate it. I think Chris Sims' uh, uh, soundbite is probably going to get a lot of play here because you're telling me the Philadelphia quarterback is not better than eight backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Wow. (laughs) He uh, pretty much doesn't think very highly of Jalen Hurts. All right. I mentioned it earlier, I, and, and I was thinking of it as we were talking to our guest today about Patrick Mahomes on how this kid has evolved his background, who he is, where he is now with the Chiefs, who's coaching him, has just been an absolute perfect storm. You know how cool it is that he was raised in a professional Sports home. His father played for the New York Mets when they won the World Series back in 86. So there's a baseball background. It's not so important that it's a baseball background. It's just the fact that he was around professional athletes his whole life. When you're around professional athletes your entire life, like, you know, one of the things that I loved so much about my daughter playing Division I rugby, when she played some of the other programs, it wasn't a big leap for her because she has been around so many great athletes talking to them, being around them just because of me playing professional sports, me being involved in uh, sports media for the last 30 years. I mean, it was kind of like second nature to her. So she's kind of like, she just fit in. I can't tell you what a massive asset that is for somebody like the Mannings. You know, your father's an MVP. Okay, your two sons go on to the uh, NFL and they go on to greater heights. There's no question that Archie Manning ended up laying the pavement and pouring the foundation 
for the success. And where I'm going with Patrick Mahomes, so think about that. He's got that whole foundation set up for him. You know, he doesn't go to a gigantic, you know, football program. I mean, Texas Tech is not gigantic in any way. I mean, Texas Tech is a good sports program. Are they sensational? No. Are they a noted football power? No, they're not. They're good power, but not, not elite, right? So he goes there. Nobody thought he was going to be this guy, but what happens? He's got the background. He goes to Andy Reid. Andy Reid's coaching Brett Favre in Green Bay. He's coaching Donovan McNabb in Philadelphia all them years. All the experience that he has being around Mike Holmgren, dealing with quarterbacks. And the fact that Andy Reid was able to adapt an offense, to put around him, and to tailor an offense around this guy is so essential. Now what he's doing is he's creating his mentality on wanting to be successful. That's why when you hear him say, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, being 20 and 0, that'd be cool. Let's see if we, because, you know, like they said, they added the extra game. By the way, there's even conversation. They want to add another game to make it an even 18. I see that happening. Shorten up the exhibition season more. There'll probably be only two instead of four if they add that extra game. But Patrick Mahomes has had the perfect storm happen for him. And when you're a great quarterback, you have to have that. Like, look at Rodgers. Rodgers doesn't have the perfect storm. He doesn't have the perfect organization wanting to put people around him. Look what the Chiefs did. They went out and did what? They got Orlando Brown. They had to revamp their tackles, and they did. I like what's going on in Kansas City. Will they win multiple championships since they won this Super Bowl? We shall see. All right. Once again, Krause, great stuff. Cal, thank you. Big Joe, we'll catch you tomorrow. Going four to six, and the only place you get 100% football talk is right here on the Jacob Media Channel on the National Football Show. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.